Uia. Well, we've got we've got some friends here. I know many of you noticed them, uh, but uh, Pastor Don and Gina Hazlett are here with us today. We are excited. They are visiting from Michigan, and their daughter Mallory, who lives in Midland, is here visiting to see them and uh, be part of worshiping today. So we're we're glad you all are here. Would you like to say anything? Okay. I didn't say preach. <laughs> Would you like to say a few words? Okay. So if you want to say hi to them, if you didn't get to see them beforehand or uh, didn't see that they came in, they're here visiting from Michigan and taking care of some things here. And uh, so thank you, Lord. They're just praying over there, so don't worry. Uh, <laughs> here's somebody talking. It's it's all good. Um uh, I want to talk to you today and share a message on this Father's Day about breaking free from destructive patterns in your family. So we're we're going we're going right after it today. <laughs> we'll go right after it. There's no reason to mess around anymore, right? We're going to talk about bubbles and happy flowers today. <laughs> And just it's just picture all those things. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get in the Word of God, and we're gonna see what what God talks about freedom. And you know, I want to use the um, I want to use the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. So, if you have a Bible, you can turn and start in Genesis chapter thirty-seven. The book, the the account, the story of Joseph is in Genesis thirty-seven through the end of Genesis, which is chapter 50. And you can skip 38 because it's like a little commercial that's rated R. But, I mean, uh, it really is. Uh, it's a troubling chapter. Uh, but, I mean, it just has people doing sinful things, basically. So, um, but 37 and 39 through 50 is a majority of it is the story of Joseph. And so I want to... I am not going to assume that you know the story of Joseph because you know what? Everybody that comes into church for a church meeting does not know the whole Bible. And it's a great thing for us up here if we're speaking not to assume that you know the story and say, you know Joseph, you know this and you know that. And so we're going to do a, this is going to be a quick review. I'm going to do a quick re- overview of Joseph's story just so you have the context of it and can understand. And I would encourage you, if you've never read this section, man, what a powerful section of Scripture. Uh, in the Old Testament, this is how this is how it worked. Basically, God creates the world in the book of Genesis 1, and people turn away from God, and he has to move them out of the Garden of Eden. I'm doing the whole book of Genesis, Pastor Don. So <laughs> we're going from Genesis to Revelation today. That's a real Pentecostal sermon. Um, so, and God, so men fall away, but God again is is merciful and is reaching out for them. He's planning to bring redemption. He's planning to bring a savior. And how God first chooses to bring a savior is this: He calls a person, and that person's name is Abraham or Abram at first. And God changes his name to Abraham, and He says, "Abraham, through you all nations will be blessed." In other words, and He says, "Your descendants will be like." the sand on the seashore, or the stars in the sky. But God picked a person to birth a nation so that he could bring forth a savior. 
So God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and Abraham, it takes a long time for him to receive a promised child, but when he's 100 years old, he, his wife, who's 90, gives birth to the promised son from God named Isaac. And so Isaac gets a wife whose name is Rebekah, and he has two children, Jacob and Esau. And they're twins. Esau's born just a few minutes before Jacob. It says Jacob, really a few seconds, I guess. It says Jacob is holding on to his ankles as he comes out. And so there's, there's Esau and Jacob. And then so Jacob has 12 sons. And those 12 sons became what was the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel, if you've heard of that, and you look throughout the rest of the Old Testament, you've got the different tribes they're talking about. And then Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. Uh, he is born in the New Testament. Thousands of years later, God brings forth Jesus. It says in the fullness of time, at just the right time, Jesus is brought to, he's born as the Son of God, fully God and fully man. He lives a perfect, sinless life. He dies a horrible death on the cross in our place, being substituted for the, as a sacrifice for our sins. And then on the third day, he, he is raised to life. And then 40 days later, he ascends to heaven and sits down on his throne and he releases the Holy Spirit 10 days later to the people of God to say, hey, you are now Jesus to the world. You carry out my mission of bringing the good news and bringing reconciliation of people to God until I come back. And then the end of the book is Jesus comes back. So there's a brief summary of the Bible there for you. <laughs> really quick one. Okay, so Joseph was one of the sons born of Jacob. Now, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. Now, you have to understand, there's some really bad, destructive patterns that were passed down from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. In Abraham's two... He had two sons. He had Ishmael with another woman... And then he had Isaac with his wife. There was turmoil between the children. There was jealousy. There was hatred. There was favoritism. There was, there was rejection in their family. Guess what happened when Isaac had kids too? Same thing. It says that the mother favored one son and the father favored the other son. And so both the children were always fighting for the affection of one parent that they didn't receive. They were receiving rejection and acceptance at the same. And so there was conflict between those brothers. Jacob has 12 sons. And what does Jacob do? He continues the destructive family pattern of valuing one child over another. It says he makes Joseph an amazing, beautiful robe. And all the brothers are jealous of him because they're not jealous of him just because of the robe. They're jealous of him because they know that Jacob loves him more. I mean, you know, sometimes as kids, growing up, we were all kids once, or at least some of us were, right? <laughs> some of us... <laughs> Forgot that part of our life. Some of us wish we could go back to that part of our lives, right? Much less stress for some of us. But sometimes we have a perception as children that a parent 
loves us more. And it's, it's really not true. It's just our perception. You know, oh, that's not fair. They're just disciplining me more. And, oh, they're doing this. And, no, it's just because you got in trouble more. <laughs> okay, so sometimes there's the, those dynamics. So don't, don't just assume that this is always happening. But this was a destructive pattern in their family. Uh, they also had a problem with, with, like, lying to get out of a hard situation. Abraham does it. He lies about his wife. Several times he says, no, she's not my wife. And then Pharaoh tries to take her as his wife, and God punishes Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? He's like, well, I was scared. Then guess what? Isaac, Abraham's son, does the same exact thing. So you see there's, a destruct, there's destructive family patterns that are being passed down. So Joseph, it wasn't just that the other brothers kind of had this inclination like, man, I, I feel like, I feel like that he loves Joseph more. No, he does. And so Joseph has some dreams. So he's already kind of, you know, his brothers are already kind of looking at him funny. And so Joseph has a dream. And he has a dream of uh, barley sheaves. Or is it barley or wheat? I don't remember. Um, Whatever. There's sheaves of grain. And so he is, you know, threshing the grain. And he has a big bundle. And then he says all his brothers had a bundle. And then it says all their bundles bowed down to his bundle. And so his brothers are like, oh, great, great. I can interpret that dream. You know, some dreams don't need like you don't need like a super spiritual interpretation. You're like, that dream looks like you're telling me that we're going to bow down and worship you. So then Joseph has another dream. Whether it was wisdom or not, he shares it with his brothers. (laughs) Okay, I don't know if this is younger brother syndrome or what. I was the oldest, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, younger brother syndrome takes over, and he's like, let me tell you about my dream. <laughs> and he says, this time, uh, all the, all the, I, there was 12 stars, 11 stars gathered around me, and they were all bowing down to me, and also the sun and moon, they bowed down to me in my dream. Okay. So it says the brothers hated him even more, is what it says. And so Jacob sends Joseph out to check on his brothers because he wants to send the favorite out to make sure that those other guys that are not his favorite are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So Joseph is in a bad situation, you can see. And it says that Joseph finds his brothers. He, He actually couldn't find them. He talks to some some guy that's unnamed. Some unnamed man, he meets this, oh, they're over there in Dothan, this place. You, you can find them there. And so they see Joseph coming from a distance, and his brothers, they, their hatred for him has grown so much that they say, we're going to kill him. I mean, so the family dynamics are being passed on. Rejection, hatred, division in the family. Is being passed on. Now, one, now one of them tries to rescue him. His name is Reuben. He says, "No, no, no, no! Don't, don't kill him. You know, we'll be, we'll be, we don't want to be that evil. <laughs> we don't want to be responsible for his blood. So let's just put him in this pit right here." And it says Reuben was going to come back later and rescue him. Now, Reuben, unfortunately, wasn't there when they sold Joseph as a slave. So these slave traders come, Ishmaelites, interestingly enough, Ben, um, they are going on their way to Egypt, and his brothers say, why kill him when we can sell him as a slave? We could make money today. 
We could get rid of him and get some cash. And so they sell their own brother into slavery. I mean, if you, you want to talk dysfunctional family, okay? I mean, can we, have we established that this is some dysfunctional, these are some issues right here. These are the people God called to bring Jesus through. So just be, be aware if you think, man, I've really screwed things up. I am, hey, he can, he can take anybody. Look at these guys. And he brought the Savior through this family. Because God is always bringing redemption into families. He's always bringing wholeness into families. And I'm going to show you that Joseph broke free from his family's patterns of destruction. I better hurry up on the story, though. So Joseph goes to Egypt. He's bought by a guy named Potiphar. He's like one of the top dudes under Pharaoh. He's the captain of the guard. And so Potiphar brings him into his home as a slave, and he begins to work and notice that Joseph has the, it says that the favor of God was upon Joseph, and so Potiphar lifts him up to being above a slave to running his whole household. In other words, he's his top employee. He's, he's getting paid now. He's not just a slave. And so Joseph is prospering. Potiphar is prospering because Joseph is in his house. And so, unfortunately, Potiphar is married and has a wife who was not satisfied with Potiphar for whatever reason. We don't know why. It says she noticed that Joseph was handsome and attractive. And so it says she started to make moves on Joseph. And so she says, hey, my, my husband's gone. The house is free. Can you figure it out, Joseph? She got bolder and bolder until finally she just grabbed him one day and said, come to bed with me. I mean, this was ongoing, ongoing temptation in Joseph's life. And you can be assured that Potiphar's wife was probably an attractive woman, whatever that was considered in Egypt's time. So Joseph resists her advances and she lies about him. And says, oh, he was trying to come after me. And so Potiphar says, oh, man, I should have never hired this slave. Throws him into prison. So Joseph finds himself in a dark place again. He's in prison for a number of years. There's two guys that get thrown in prison too. The cup baker, the, the cup baker, the cup bearer and the baker for Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. He's the supreme ruler. And so the baker and the cup bearer, they have dreams while they're in the prison with Joseph. It says Joseph, again, prospers in the prison. He has the favor of God on his life. And the prison, the, the overseer for the prison puts him in charge of the prison. I mean, now he's still in the prison, so it's not that cool. <laughs> but at least if you're going to be in prison, he's in charge of the prison, okay? So these guys get thrown in prison. They ticked off Pharaoh for some reason. I don't know what they did, but they got thrown in prison. They served him the wrong food or did something they shouldn't have done. They licked the cup when he was tasting the, tasting the wine. I don't know. Um, and so they get thrown in prison. They have dreams, and they share Joseph their dreams. And Joseph says, I can tell you what those dreams mean because God, the Holy Spirit, the, God himself has, is going to reveal the meaning of your dreams. So he speaks the meaning of the dreams. One of them is going to be in three days be freed from prison, and the other one in three days is going to be freed from his head in three days. Okay, that's exactly how the scripture says it. You will be freed from your head in three days. And so one of them was killed. 
So the cupbearer is freed and the baker is killed. And Joseph just says to that guy, he says, hey, when you get out of prison, remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me. I, I'm, I'm in here unjustly. I've been unjustly imprisoned. So the cupbearer forgets about him for two years. I don't think it ever says exactly how long Joseph had been in prison. From the time Joseph got to Egypt till the time he gets out of prison is 13 years. So Joseph is sitting in prison. So Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has two dreams, in fact. And the cupbearer says, and nobody can interpret the dream all throughout Egypt. He's got all kinds of magicians and enchanters and guys that are working on all kinds of weirdo, new age, Ouija board type things or whatever. It was demonic, basically. Um, And so they're like, we can't interpret the dream. And then the cupbearer says, "Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, there's a guy in prison. I mean, think about that. I mean, the cupbearer took a risk. Let's be honest. He's been thrown in prison once before. It was probably for a small thing. It's probably like, man, don't hold the cup wrong, bro. Get in prison. (laughs) Hey, there's this guy in prison. You know, he's really, really amazing. And he interpreted my dream. And Pharaoh says, get him in here. I mean, this is amazing that this even happened. Am I working the camera enough up there? So, uh... (laughs) So it says they clean Joseph up and they take him before Pharaoh and and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh's dreams is God is speaking to Pharaoh. Don't get that God is speaking to all kinds of people whether they're trying to listen to God or not. Pharaoh's not a godly man. He, he, he was not seeking God. But God is, is wanting to do something, even, even use Pharaoh. So it's, the, the dreams basically mean that there's going to be seven years of an abundance and then seven years of a famine. And so Joseph says, I recommend that during the seven years of abundance, you save up stuff so that you have enough during the seven years of famine. Good idea. This is like, this is how you live in the oil field culture, by the way. During the seven years of abundance, you better be saving up in case there's a seven years of famine. Anyway, that was free. So Dave Ramsey calls it an emergency fund, okay? But however you can. Look, some of us can't do that. We're single families. I understand that. That's where the body of Christ comes around you and says, we're going to support you during this time. Uh, We're going to stand beside you, and we're going to help you So uh, because God has blessed us. So... On the spot, this story is so amazing. It, never get, it doesn't get old to me. Uh, it's on the spot, Pharaoh says, you're in charge of all of Egypt. <laughs> I mean, it's real. I mean, he's the, it's, there's no better sermon than to go from the prison to the palace in one day, right? I mean, come on now. <laughs> from the prison to the palace in a day. I mean, it can change in a day with God. With the Lord, things can change in one day. And so it says the favor of God is upon Joseph. And he, you know, he's in charge of all of Egypt. Basically, he's in control. Pharaoh says, in fact, if, if Joseph doesn't say to do it, don't do it. He says that Joseph's word is what we're going to do. So basically, I mean, Pharaoh may have been wanting to say, I'm just going to go hunting, dude. I just, I'm, you take charge. I'm going to enjoy life because I can. Whatever the case was. Everything that happened in Egypt, and it says basically that 
Once the famine came and Joseph was put in charge, it says he began to prosper. Uh, He was given a wife. He was married. He had children, uh, two sons, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, There's different ways to say those. I'm just going to leave it like that, the traditional grown-up-in-church way. Um, And so during the years of famine, they save up all this abundance. And then it says during the years of famine that the entire world comes to Egypt to get food. In other words, you have to understand this, that God sent Joseph to bring deliverance and salvation to the entire known world at that time. It was the mercy of God that got Joseph to Egypt so he could save a whole lot of people. Really, Joseph is a great picture of Jesus. Joseph suffered and was put in a place of suffering so that he could ultimately bring deliverance to the world. Physically, Jesus, of course, did it spiritually. Uh, He's like a shadow, a foreshadowing of Jesus. And so at some point, his brothers run out of food and they go to Egypt. They have an encounter with Joseph. They don't recognize him. And Joseph, you know, has some interactions with them that can at first look like he's he is uh, being mean to them. But really, he's testing them. He says his brothers come and he talks to them and says, you're spies. You've come to spy out the land. And they're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we're in trouble now. This guy's the the prime minister of Egypt, basically. He's He's the head guy in Egypt. And it says Joseph throws him in prison for three days. Three days, sure. There's all kinds of threes in the Bible, but yeah. So... He throws him in. Now, again, Joseph is not taking revenge. I learned this from a children's Bible. <laughs> They're reading the children's Bible. This is a free commercial right now. Okay? Reading children's Bibles, you can discover all kinds of things. So it's good to read children's Bibles to your kids. Sometimes you might learn something. Because I always thought growing up, I was like, man, Joseph likes to just play around with his brothers. Like, you know what? Let's, let's have you go to prison for a few days. Let's just, let's just have you experience what I went through a little bit. You need to receive some of the stuff back that you gave to me. I'm giving back to you. But that was not what Joseph was doing. Joseph was testing their hearts to see if they they would repent and change. And he asked them, he, he asked them all these questions. Hey, where's your younger brother? Because their youngest brother, Benjamin, who is probably the second favorite of Jacob, And Jacob said, you can't take Benjamin on this trip because if I lose him, then I'm going to die. And so Joseph says, look, I'm going to let you free, but you're going to have to leave one of you here because I think you're liars. And next time you come to get food, you better bring that youngest brother with you or this guy's going to stay in prison forever. And so he locks up Simeon, one of his brothers, and says, you stay in prison and so his brothers go home. They take the food home to the family. They feed the families. They tell, the, they tell his dad. This is, this is something I've never thought of before. They go tell Jacob, who is the father. All the brothers say, they, they have Sim, he's got Simeon in prison. If we just take all of us with Benjamin, we will get Simeon out of prison. And Jacob says, don't go. You don't under, what he was saying was this. Simeon is not worth that. Never thought of that before, but that's really what Jacob was saying. Jacob was again acting out of his brokenness, out of the destructive patterns in his family. 
If it was Joseph in that prison, he would have said, we're going to get him. If it was Benjamin in that prison, he said, let's leave right now. But because it was one that he did not value as highly, he said, I can't take that risk. And so they waited till they ran out of food again. It says it was a, a number, a couple of years, I think. Simeon's in prison still. And Jacob says, we're out of food, boys. Go get some more, go get some more from Egypt. And the guys are like, uh, dad, sir, father, oh, great one. <laughs> we can't go back without Benjamin. And Jacob says, I don't want to do it. But because they were starving, it was only when he was forced to that he says, I'm willing to go and get food and Simeon out of this mess. So they show up one more time. They take Benjamin and he gives them a bunch of, uh, a bunch of food again. And then it says they leave. And he, Joseph said, says to one of his attendants, hey, put my, put my royal cup in Benjamin's sack. And we're going to let him get away. And then we're going to go catch him in the act of stealing. And you're like, man, is Joseph just like getting back at him? Like, I'm going to stab you in the back now. No, he's not. He's testing their hearts. And he's wanting them to come to a point of repentance and change. Because repentance means change. If you really repent, you change. If you, if you don't change, you're probably not really repenting. So he lets them get a, a distance away. And then he sends his, his guards out there and says, hey, guys, somebody stole something. And they're like, no way, we didn't take anything. Because they're like, we don't want to mess with you. We, we, know, we know this guy is, is, means business. We just finally got all the brothers out. And we're like, hopefully we don't ever have to come back to this place. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, we got out. We got out. <laughs> and Simeon's like, next time one of you all are staying. <laughs> I, I took the. <laughs> so they said, yeah, you can search all our bags. It's like TSA Egypt, okay? So they're searching the bags. <laughs> and they, and they, they open up Benjamin's sack, and he's got the cup. And it says, look, it says all the brothers, it says they tore their clothes. They're like, they were broken. They were cut to the core of their hearts. Because they're like, no, not Benjamin. Not Benjamin. And so they're like, the rest of you can go. We're going to take Benjamin back with us. He's going to prison. Now, see, the brothers have a choice here. Are they going to save their own skin and get out, or are they going to do the hard thing and say, no, we're going to go back, and we're going to fight for our brother? So they all go back. And one of them stands up and says, you can't send Benjamin to prison. Take me instead. That's a change of heart. 
that's a change of heart because they were willing to actually love and personally sacrifice for one of the other brothers, which they were unwilling to do before. And it's that at that point it says that Joseph breaks down because he is breaking down with relief and joy and it says he sends everybody out and it says the cri- the cries of Joseph could be heard for a long ways all out in Egypt because of the weeping with joy and relief and healing too, I believe, that was happening in all their hearts at that moment. And Joseph reveals himself, hey, it's me, Joseph. And they're like, <laughs> Of course, they've already bowed down to him several times. And Joseph recognized the dream and all that stuff. And so they, they go, they say, hey, go get, go get our family uh, and bring, bring the rest of them here. Well, I'm going to take care of them because God sent me here for good, not to harm, but to do good. And so then Joseph, his father, or Jacob, excuse me, his father comes and says that Jacob actually bows before his son. So there's a, the fulfillment of the dream. This is actually 20 years later when this all happens, I, I believe, close to 20 years later. Uh, so from ages 17 to 37, as Joseph is walking this out, um, is at least 20 years later, excuse me, because it was 30 when the famine started, seven years of famine. This is at least two years in the famine. So 20 plus years later when he's reunited with his family and they go and they live in Egypt and they're ultimately rescued uh, from the famine. And so that's the account of Joseph. Really one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. Joseph is one of the few men in the Bible who really just, he walked as a man of integrity his whole life. He, he finished well. You know, men, I want to specifically speak to you it's easy to start a race. It's easy to start a life. But it's how you finish that counts. Finish well. Don't just, don't just go off into, you know, relaxation mode. Oh, I'm just going to relax and retire and have a good life. I'm not saying you can't retire. I'm not saying you can't rest or go vacation. Hear, hear my heart here. But the point of the matter is, what is God calling you to do? And you get to do that your whole life till your last breath. What is Jesus calling me to do? Joseph lived his whole life pouring out for others. There are several things I believe Joseph did. We can go through these really quickly. Uh, is number one is this. Uh, Joseph surrendered to the Lord's purpose for his life. No matter where Joseph was, he was trusting God. Does that mean he didn't have emotions? Does that mean he wasn't sometimes in that prison kind of throwing a little hissy fit? "Ah!" (laughs) No, but by and large, it says that the favor of God was on his life and wherever he was, that he was serving God, that he was trusting God, that he was walking with him, that he's saying, look, Lord, I'm willing to lay down my own agenda for my life, for your agenda. He lived a surrendered and laid down life unto the Lord. That's one way that you can break free from any destructive pattern in your family is surrender 100% to Jesus Christ. Not just praying a prayer, not just going to church, not just doing a few good deeds. No, saying surrendering and say, Jesus, 
you are master. You are Lord. Whatever you say goes. That's how Joseph lived his life. When God said, you're going to prison. This is what this is. You have to go through prison to get to the palace. Joseph's like, okay, God, what are you doing in the prison? It says the favor of God was on him. He began to, he began to, to, to work and minister among the prisoners, basically, is, is the idea and the, and the, the implied context of, of the story there. It's like he begins to breathe hope and life wherever he was. Are you willing to surrender to God's purpose in your life no matter what it costs you? Second thing is this. Joseph feared the Lord above all else. And that released him to live a life of integrity and purity. You know, in Genesis 39, it says in verse 2, this is now on the screen. We made it to the screen scriptures now. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. This is when he was with Potiphar. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. You know, if you work in a job where you're like, man, these guys are a bunch of losers, sometimes God will just bless it because you're there. It's not, it, he's like, look, I want to work through, I want to work through this place. I want to do something in this place. He's like, yeah, those people aren't paying attention to me, but you are. I'm going to release something through you because you're there. You're, you're a child of God. You're a sent one of the king. You have the favor of God on your life. Uh, and so it says God blesses Potiphar, not because of Potiphar, but because of Joseph. Same way in our life. We're not blessed because of who we are. We're blessed because of the presence of Jesus in our lives. And the father says, look, I see Jesus. I'm going to give this, this son or daughter exactly what Jesus deserves. Look at what Joseph says, though, when he was tempted. Verse 8, it says this, or no, verse 7. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern myself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And look what he says. Well, and sin against God. You want to live a life of purity? It has to be between you and God. Joseph wasn't as concerned about Potiphar as he was about God. He honored his master. He worked hard for him. He served him. But his life was living in fear and reverence of God. Joseph's family history had been what? When the going got tough, they lied and deceived and took the easy way out. 
You notice how Joseph is breaking the patterns of his family by walking in obedience to God in the fear of the Lord. If you care more about what God thinks than anybody else thinks, you'll break free from any destructive pattern in your family. But if you care more about what somebody else thinks than God, then you're going to find yourself falling down and get you know, in those same patterns many times. I don't know what those are for, for your family. Even really good Christian families sometimes have destructive things that need to be broken. And guess what? God always says, now's the time. He's not like, no, when you have, when you have grandkids, I'm going to get to that. I mean, he's at work. He's working. Now, sometimes we don't cooperate as much as, as we could. But Joseph was cooperating and, and establishing a new pattern for his family's way of life. It was a pattern of purity and integrity and sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice his position, his comfort, his future to be a man of integrity and purity. Only a person who fears God is going to do that. Because for, especially for a man, man, to, to, to sacrifice all that, you have to fear God. After Joseph gets out, it says he, you know, he's, he gets out of prison. Um, he has two children, and he names them some interesting things. And I think it really tells us about where Joseph's heart was. If you want to go to Genesis 41, verse 50, that's where we're at. It'll be on, it'll probably be on the screen too. Genesis 41 and verse 50. It says, before... Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. So that was his wife. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. What, what that means to me is this. Joseph received healing in his heart from his family wounds. This is one of the ways you break free. Let Jesus heal those parts of your heart. Let him deal with those things that you don't want to deal with. Why can't we just have a nice Father's Day sermon? Well, the other option is always love your wife as Christ loved the church, guys. So, And you die to yourself in everything to love your wife. So that's the other option. Um, <clears throat> he says, I, he names him Manasseh because Joseph received healing in his heart. In other words, he was able to live free from his past so he could prosper in his present. And it didn't hold him back. He's able to say, God's, God's done such a work in me that I don't have to dwell on all that. I don't have to be stuck in all that. My heart has been healed. Now, he names his second son this. He says, my second son is Ephraim or Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. This is, I believe, is another key to breaking free is to bear fruit in whatever season you are in. You find yourself in a suffering season then how are you bearing forth the fruit of the Spirit? 
What, what good is being, what is God trying to birth and release in your life? Is it, or is it just going to be, going to be a temper tantrum? Are you going to go back to the age of two and just go, because you know, the temper tantrums don't stop at two, right? Sometimes they're still there at 22, 42, and then some people, they don't ever stop doing them, right? But it says, Joseph says, look, God, and again, he's known, hey, it's not me. This is God's going to, God's making me fruitful, even though I'm living in a very suffering land. So he, he declared, it's so interesting, he is declaring a fresh destiny, too, over his own children. He's saying, we're not going to be like what our parents were before. There were good things. Again, it doesn't mean you throw away everything like, oh, man, some of us are like, man, my own kids are in this in this hearing this sermon, are they like trying to throw away everything? Well, probably not. But there's probably something broken that's been passed on because Jesus is like, look, we're bringing, we're bringing progressive healing and freedom in your family line because it brings salvation to your household and it blesses the nations. That's the way the gospel works. It gets in families, it changes people, and they change other people. So bear fruit in whatever season you are in. And the last one is this. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, Turn to Genesis 45. Verses 4 through 8. So this is when Joseph makes himself known to his brothers, when he reveals who he is. It says, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And this is the point where they're probably getting pretty nervous, I think. (laughs) And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years, there's, now there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. God sent me ahead of you to, look, preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. And later on, Jacob comes and lives in Egypt, and then Jacob dies. And the brothers get really nervous. So they send Joseph a message. They say, hey, just want to let you know that dad left us a special note to give to you. <laughs> it's not true. They're just, they're just lying <laughs> again. <laughs> lying again to try to get out of a hard situation. The brothers are still kind of stuck in the pattern, okay? They're breaking free for a little bit. So Joseph's giving them grace and mercy, letting them grow. They say, Father said, hey, don't, don't, don't bring up all the bad stuff we did to you. He wants to make sure that after he's gone that you don't take revenge or do something bad. And jo- Joseph sends for his brothers. And this is what he said. Once again, he says, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. So they're, they're down before him again. The dream is coming true once again. We're your slaves, they said. <laughs> I mean, they were seriously nervous that once Jacob died, that Joseph was going to flip a switch and go, 
Now that dad's gone, we're going to take care of some business that's been waiting for a long time. (laughs) And I'm still in charge of Egypt. I can do whatever I want. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Both these scriptures tell me one thing. Joseph truly forgave his brothers. One of, if not the, if it's one of the most powerful ways that you break free is through forgiveness. You know, unforgiveness in one way puts myself in the place of God. Just like Joseph said, am I in the place of God? I'm not the ultimate judge. I'm not the one who has the last say on what your life is. And so I'm not going to hold something against you. Uh, I'm going to choose to allow the greatness and the grace and mercy of our Lord to cover what you did, not only in your life, but in my life. And I'm going to forgive you doesn't mean they deserved it. You never forgive somebody who deserves to be forgiven. Every single person that you forgive doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Same way with Jesus. Everybody he forgives doesn't deserve on their own to be forgiven. But because of what Jesus did... The power of the gospel and the good news. Forgiveness can be released not only between me and God, but between me and one another. Whether that's my family members who are sometimes the hardest ones to forgive, right? Because you can't just unrelate them, right? I mean, you can try, you can ostracize them, you can treat them badly, you can avoid them, you can not invite them to the you know, Father's Day dinner or whatever. You can do all kinds of stuff, but you're still related to them. But there's something that happens. It's supernatural. Look, this is not something you work up. This is not something you make up. This is not a religious exercise. This is a a transaction with heaven where you are allowing the heart of Jesus and ultimately the heart of the Father to forgive, to come into your heart where he baptizes you in his love and his power and says, I'm giving you the grace to forgive. And you're going to be, you're going to walk in the anointing of God when you forgive someone. And it's going to free. It's going to be freedom. It's going to be freedom because then Joseph's present and his future were not determined by his brother's past harm to him. And so he was able to walk free and live in a new way than the rest of his family had lived and be a man of integrity, be a man of kindness, be a man of mercy. Be a man of purity and strength and integrity. And really, he was a man who had the character where he could be in charge of the welfare of the entire known world and be trusted. When God begins to bring healing and you bring surrender and you fear God, you can be trusted with great things. Now, 
most of us aren't thankfully ever going to have to be entrusted with what Joseph was given. But God does look at every son and daughter of his and say, I'm, I'm entrusting you with something. And I'm going to form my character in you so that you are trustworthy so that when that time comes, it's going to be a benefit to many. Because it wasn't just about Joseph. It wasn't just about Joseph's family. It was, it was about a whole group of people. It's the same way with us. The goodness of Jesus and the grace and mercy of Jesus is not just for our family. It's about a, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son. That God was not wanting to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope you can take these, these, these keys from Joseph's life. And I want to I pray over you. So right now, if you'd stand up, if you want to stand up, we're going to close in prayer. Uh, you know, if you need to forgive someone, I just, I just, that's all. I mean, it's almost a, it's definitely probably a weekly thing for almost all of us. Might be daily for some of us for a while. But if there's someone, especially, uh, you know, if it's in your family or something that you just say, you just need to forgive. It doesn't mean, you don't need to go tell them, hey, I forgave you. <laughs> just want you to know all the bad stuff you did. I forgive you. And they're, they're like, I don't even remember that. What are you talking about? No, this is, this is where you forgive. Uh, you forgive them unto the Lord. So, Father, right now, just any heart that needs that, that miracle of forgiveness, God, I just thank you, Jesus, that you are greater than pain. You are greater than hurt. You are greater than betrayal. You are greater than mistrust. You are greater than abuse or harm. Lord, you are greater than anything that can come into our lives through other humans. Lord, and what the cross did through Jesus is greater and cancels the effect of those things in our lives. And so we choose to line ourselves up, God, and we say, I forgive. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Right now is a great time to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. doesn't matter if it's, if it's, if it's never easy. I'm going to follow you. If I never get anything this side of earth, I'm going to follow you because it's the right thing to do. It's the good thing to do. In your presence is truly fullness of joy. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, as we walk in integrity and purity, Lord, as we walk in righteousness, as we live out the gospel, as it works its, its power in us, that you are, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So, God, we choose to believe that we are being transformed. We are being changed. As we focus our gaze on Jesus, we are being transformed from glory to glory, as you said in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We fix our gaze upon you, Jesus, and it's you who changes us it's you who transforms us and we will walk in victory and transformation because of you we surrender our hearts to you god thank you lord for all these fathers in here god we just thank you god that we get the honor and the great responsibility and you have entrusted us to reveal the father's heart to our children and to others that that you put in our lives that we can be fathers we can have the the goodness and the wisdom and the kindness of father god in our hearts in our speech in our actions and the way we look at people lord that we're going to reveal a good father can't happen unless we're healed god heal our hearts Continue to, to bind up the wounds in our heart. Lord, things that, that ne- were never meant to happen to us, God, but you're going you're to bring about good because you are so powerful that you can take bad and turn it into good. 
You can take evil and turn it into deliverance for somebody else. And so right now, Lord, those things that we've been healed of, God, we thank you that it's going to multiply to everybody around us in the name of Jesus. Lord, and families will be touched by other families. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You are blessed to go. If you need prayer for something else, please come up front and find one of us. We'd love to pray with you. Thank you for giving in the offering. We we are continuing to just receive it in the back, but we don't even mostly ever mention it, but you are all so faithful. You're incredible. We bless you. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running.